Uh, but we're just honored to have you here with us today. If you're visiting with us, maybe you're new for the very first time, uh, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. I'm re- really just blessed and honored to have you. And, and uh, we believe that you came at just the right time because we're going to talk about sin. Now, before you get up and leave, hear me out here. We're, we're talking about uh, kind of these seven deadly sins that, uh, that many of us know. But, but really, when it comes to this idea of sin, it's kind of a a blurry, uh, you know, kind of churchy word, right? Where when we look at our sin, it's really anything goes. It's our life, uh, it's our uh, kind of world, and so as long as we're happy, we can do just about whatever we want. And in reality, that's not at all what the Word of God says. You know, we believe that, that God's Word is our standard of truth, it's the direction of living. And so God's Word actually paints a very different picture when it comes to our sin. In fact, the Bible says in, uh, in, in Galatia, or I'm sorry, at 620, Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. And so we need to understand that our sin matters. Our sin matters. And so what we're doing in this is to say, hey, this is what the Bible has to say about it. Now, here's a spoiler alert. We don't want you to leave here uh, feeling beat up because we believe that God wants to restore us. God wants to use even our, our worst past sins to, to make an impact on our own life, but also in the lives of those around us. He wants to restore us and to redeem us. And so the, the hope of this series is that we would begin to see how, uh, how deadly sin can be in our life and how God wants to transform us from the inside out. And today, uh, we're talking about these. Last week, we talked about pride. Today, we are going to talk about the sin of greed, the deadly sin of greed. You know, I, I heard a story of two friends who ran into each other, and one of the friends was extremely sad, almost sad to the point of, of tears. And so uh, these long friends, these high school friends, they, uh, he, he could see that something was wrong, and he said, hey, what's going on in your life? Why don't we go have a cup of coffee, sit down, and we'll talk about it. And so as they began to talk, the sad friend said, you know, I lost my cousin, and I inherited $50,000. And so the friend was like, oh, man, that's a bummer. You know, death is never fun, right? It's a, a difficult thing. But there's the silver lining of, of, hey, they left you something, so obviously they cared about you, right? And And the friend, the sad friend said, yeah, but there's something else that happened. Two weeks ago, my uncle, we weren't very close, he died and gave me $100,000. And the friend was like, oh man, that's terrible. I mean, that's death, a lot of death. But let's look for the silver lining in things, right? You got $150,000, that would change many of our lives. How many would love $150,000, right? Yes, amen, all of us, both hands. Well, then he, he says, but that's not it. Actually, last week, I lost my grandfather, Uh, We weren't very close either, not very close to many of my family members, and I inherited a million dollars. And so he's sitting there thinking, man, well, death stinks, but you're blessed, right? (laughs) Like this is $1.2 million. Like why are you so sad? Well, he says to him, this week I have collected nothing. Good, two people got it. Greed, right? (laughs) Greed. Greed is a serious sin. Greed is a deadly sin. In fact, greed is so serious that the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 29, he couples with many other different deadly sins, he couples it with murder. Greed is a very, very serious sin in our life. You know, when we look at a definition of sin, or when we think of that word greed, what's the first thing that comes to most of our minds? We would say 
money, right? Greed, money, uh, sometimes it's power and influence, and even most of the definitions that we read about greed talk a little bit about money. Uh, Webster's says this about greed, greed is a selfish and excessive desire for more of something such as money than is needed. You know, isn't this something that we were taught at a very young age, conditioned to believe that the more that we have, the better off that we're going to be? Right? The more money that we have, the more success that we have, the more that we have saved up, right? The more better off that we're going to be, the happier we are going to be. But you see, that is not at all the truth. Graham Tomlin, who he wrote the book Seven Deadly Sins, a book that we're reading as a teaching team here at Alpine, and where we're getting a lot of the stuff that we're talking about from that book, he says this about greed. Greed tries to satisfy the restless soul with things, stuff, that were never meant to satisfy it and temporarily at least silences the desire for God that is the clue and the pathway to true happiness. You know, I think about greed in, in the idea of what God created us to be. You know, we know the story in Genesis, right, where God created heaven and earth. He created the, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air, and he created everything that we know in it. And he saved the greatest creation to the very end. And we know that that creation was man. The Bible says that God created man in his image. And so what we see from the very beginning of time, we have a relationship with God, and the Bible says that they had dominion over the land. They were more powerful, they were more loved than all of those things. And you see, what happened was, is the enemy, a very real enemy of God, his name is Satan, he knew that he could use greed to get at them. We know the story, right? So uh, they're in the garden And the serpent Satan comes in and he says, surely God wants you to be just like him, right? Surely God didn't say that you couldn't eat from all of the trees. And you see, what he did is he introduced and enticed them with greed. And the Bible says because of that greed, that sin, from that moment on, every single one of us are want longing for more, longing for something. There is a void in us that can only be filled by God. And isn't it true that as we long for something greater than ourselves, as we long for something more, we usually try to fill that with stuff, right? Money, uh, we do that with relationships, we do that with material things, right? We're always trying to find what we can to fill a void that was only meant to be filled by God. And isn't it true that as we try to fill those things, we are never satisfied? You see, I believe that's because our first point, if you're taking notes or if you're going to talk about this with a friend or maybe a mentor in a small group, you'll go over this point. And the first point is this, is that greed, just just like all of the other sins that we're going to be talking about, it's a false pathway. We think that it will bring something that it really doesn't. Greed is a false pathway to enjoyment in life. This idea that we have to have more and the more that we have is a, really a false pathway to what really uh, is enjoyment in our life. And you see, again, we, we do this. What is it that drives greed? I mean, there's so many different things, I think, that really drive greed in our life. But you've heard of things like keeping up with the Joneses, right? 
uh, the, keeping up with the Joneses is this mentality that if we have uh, something that good or if we have just a little bit more, there's this idea that if people see that we're successful or we have nice things, that we're going to, to, to feel satisfied or we're going to, to seem like we have it all together. You know, we live in a culture where it's instant gratification, right? When we see something, we want it right now. How many of you have really, really wanted something and it consumes you, every part of you? I gotta have this. And so we find ways to scheme and to get these things. You know, I think for, for our culture, we have a, a problem of differentiating between things that we need versus things that we want. You know what I'm talking about, right? Things that we need are food, shelter, clothing, those kinds of things. And then there are the things that we want, right? We want nicer, newer things, or we want stuff, or we want position or power or authority or whatever it might be. And you see, that is exactly where the enemy wants us because he knows as we are longing to fill the void that only God can in our lives, when we begin to fill that with stuff, or money, or relationships, or whatever it is for you, what happens is, is, is God goes a little bit further down the list, and we begin to idolize and elevate these things in our life. You know, for some reason, we think that more means better. More money means a better life. You know, there was a rapper who, who I think got this right when he said, mo' money, mo' problems, right? Can I get an Amen. I never thought I'd get an amen from Biggie Smalls from the pulpit, but we are today. More money is more problems. You know, isn't it true that the more we get, the more we want, the more we want to spend? Like we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. We're always looking for more. And I believe that is because we have this desire to be filled by God. But for some reason, God gets pushed further and further down the list. Listen to what Jesus Said The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 12. We'll hang out there. But the Bible says that Jesus is teaching spiritual truths. And so for the first, uh, you know, so many verses, 12 verses, Jesus is teaching the crowd. It says a large crowd has gathered. At this point, Jesus is doing ministry and there's miracles and people, the word's getting out about him. And it says as he's speech, or, or teaching and speaking, he's giving them spiritual truths, eternal perspectives, how important it is to be in a relationship with God, like he's really ministering to them. And then, out of nowhere, we see this guy say something crazy. It says in verse 13, it says, someone calls from the crowd. Jesus is teaching. God, God in fleshly form, Emmanuel, God with us, the creator God is teaching about how to be made right with God. And this guy is so caught up with greed and money, he says this, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Right, just, just picture this for just a moment. You know, here you have Jesus, who many believe was the greatest teacher, and as he's teaching, he should get everyone's attention, and this guy has the audacity, he is so full of greed, he is so focused on money and this financial situation that he interrupts the creator God to say, hey, I need you to work on this financial situation for me. I love this, how Jesus, very gracious, in verse 14 it says, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? But then here's what he says, because this really shows us the love and the mercy of God and his kindness and his desire for us to know the, the deadliness of our sin. He says this in verse 15, beware, 
Beware. Guard your heart against every kind of greed. Jesus says, life is not measured by how much you own. You see, Jesus, in his loving kindness, said to this person who he should have rebuked, (laughs) he said to him, listen, I want everyone here, there's a large crowd of people here, I want you to understand the importance of understanding that those who are filled with greed will eventually lose everything. And he said the importance of this is life. Our life is not measured on possessions or money or valuables. No, it's so much deeper than that. And so as he's teaching that, he, he continues on in the story. Listen to what he says. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods. It says in verse 19, and what I'll do is I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, notice how he's alone here. (laughs) He's alone. Where's all of his friends? How many of you know that money can cause problems with family and friends, right? He's alone. He said, I know, I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, but, but, but and then I'm going to say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. I've got it going on. I am set. I am wealthy. I am a beast. I am the a bag of potato chips too. You know what I'm talking about. Like This is what he's feeling. And listen to what God says to him. God said to him, you fool. You fool. You will die this very night then who will get everything you work for? How many of us know that in just a moment we could lose everything? How many of us know that our life is fragile and in a moment we could lose everything? And you see what he's saying, something very, very powerful here in verse 21. A person is a fool to be greedy. A person is fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. I think there's something very clear about this passage. It's this, we can be extremely successful and be foolish in the eyes of God. We can be extremely powerful, we can have a lot of influence, but we can still be viewed as foolish by God. We can have all of the earthly wealth, all of the earthly riches that we possibly can have, but Jesus is saying we can be spiritually poor. Do you understand that? We can have everything in this world and have nothing spiritually. And you see, that is not a good place to be. Now, I want to make it very, very, very clear here that money is not a bad thing. In fact, I would like a little bit more money in my life, right? We all would. Money is not a bad thing. Striving and longing to be successful is not a bad thing. None of those things are a bad thing. But what is a bad thing is when we elevate money over God. When we elevate our trust and our dependence and our worship of money over God, the Bible says that is sin. And that sin leads to the want of more. More and more and more. And here's, here's what I want us to see. I don't think in Luke chapter 12 Jesus is saying, look, money's bad. No, what he's saying is I'm trying to give you an understanding that there is spiritual wealth and there is uh, temporal earthly wealth. And what I want you to understand, that if you don't have spiritual wealth, if you don't have a relationship with me, the Bible says that you will come into this, you've come into this world with nothing and you will leave this world with nothing. And one day we will stand before our Creator God, and what we decided to do in our belief of Him will determine our 
eternity. Greed is a sin. It harms our relationship with God. It harms our relationship with others. And really that leads us into our our second point because I think when we understand the the wages of sin is death and if, if greed is a sin, we know that it leads to death, but really it leads to destruction in every area of our life. I mean, I, I literally think that, it, that it, it can destroy every part of our life. I, I think of all of the ways that I have been robbed of, of joy and thankfulness and, you know, things, maybe, maybe even stuff from God because I have not been content, because I haven't been okay with where I have been, because I haven't trusted. You know, I've seen other people who have been elevated or who have more, and I think, man, why can I have that? I deserve to do that. God, I'm serving you. Why aren't you doing this? Has anybody ever been there? Just me. Okay, good. And it's robbed me of thankfulness and joy and contentment. (laughs) You know, I, I think about this when it comes to to family. I mean, how many of you have heard of stories where money makes families do crazy things, right? Money has driven wedges and it has destroyed relationships and it's destroyed families and it really can make an impact in our lives. And I don't think it's just money. I don't think it's money. I think that there are other things that can happen in family that are very greedy. We, we just got done with Halloween. I can't stand Halloween for several different reasons, but Many of you, um, you, you, you like my wife, you like Christmas better than Halloween, right? You've been listening to Christmas music since November 1st. Is that you? Go ahead and raise your hand, anybody in here? Okay, we'll pray for you. Keep those hands up high. That's creepy. Listen, Christmas music is for December, okay? My wife came to me the other day, and she's like, hey, people are putting their Christmas trees up. I'm like, where have you been where Christmas trees are? She wants to get a Christmas tree, so pray for me, actually. But back to Halloween, my kids, they, they come home with a bag full of candy, a sleeping, you know, a sleeping, or a pillowcase full of candy. You know what I'm talking about, right? There's trunk or treats, and there's harvest parties, and, and there's door by door trick or treating. And not only this year was it one day, but it was two days we celebrated Halloween. It's just weird, right? Like weird. And, and here's, here's what happens why is it that when you have a full bag of candy, do you think you should have your sibling's bag of candy too? Do you know why? Greed! Right? I, 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 I want what you have, all this stuff. Oh, that full-size candy bar you inherit, that's, that's mine, right? I want that. I want what you have because we're greedy. Enough isn't enough. We want what we want. And you know what? Isn't that what we do? I have to confess from the stage. I've already prayed, but I'm going to confess this to you as a congregation. I have taken whatever I want, whenever I want, out of those, all three of those bags the whole time. <laughs> now... That's not greed, that's sin, or that's stealing, okay, but we're not going to talk about that, but it's confession today, pray for me. Greed is destructive at every level, and it's not just individual or in our families or in relationships. Do you know that this is something that we deal with as as a nation and as a world culture? I mean, did you know that the United States of America has 4% of the world's population but we have 30% of its wealth. We are one of the wealthiest nations in the world, and we have some of the least population of the world. Do you have any idea why that is? Probably a little bit has to do with some greed. (laughs) No, we're doing some remodeling at our our house, and we're doing painting, and I don't paint. And, And so we hired it out, and we got to meet this guy, a great guy, a really, really neat guy who was kind of painting, and and he told my wife this story about um, his daughter who had this very painful disease, a disease that 
that needed to be taken care of, and they had waited long enough, and she had just been to the point where she couldn't do it anymore. And so uh, they, they went to uh, Tennessee, which is the only doctor, the only place that they could actually uh, have this disease taken care of, and it was going to cost them $270,000. And they couldn't, <laughs> that's cheap, <laughs> that, is, that is cheap. No, I hear you, I hear you. But here's what's crazy about this. What's crazy about this is that they then did some research and said, hey, wh- where else can this happen? And they found a place in another country where that same procedure cost $30,000. Do we know what that is? Greed. It's greed. Why are we one of the wealthiest Nations in the world, well, I think a lot of it has to do with greed. And it's not just medical. There are so many other things. We are greedy. We, we idly go about our lives and we don't worry about what's going on in the world when people are literally starving to death. It's greed. And you see, greed brings destruction in all areas. Listen to what Paul is instructing Timothy. He says, people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. You see what this is saying is that the one truth that we can know about greed in our life, whether it's financial or any other type of greed, as it is a sin, the Bible says that it will always 100% of the time lead to ruin and to destruction. Now, it might not be imminent death in that moment, but it will affect us. It will affect us personally. It will affect our relationships. It will affect the way we view the world And one day, if our greed has led us to go against God, the Bible says that it will lead us away from God for eternity. You know, I I love this this, uh, picture. Right before this, Paul was saying something much different when he was when he was talking about this is what would happen, but but here's what he said. There's the formula at the beginning, and I'm I'm doing it here because I want us to see what Paul is trying to say. He's he's saying true wealth, great wealth is true godliness with contentment. True godliness with contentment is great wealth. Here's what I want us to see about this. What this is saying is that godliness, do we know what godliness is? It's when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we elevate him to the number one position in our life and we say, God, everything is yours. My life, my money, my relationships, it is all yours. And as you're making me new from the inside out, your word says that you live in me and you're challenging me and you're, you're making me more like you that I would be led to saying that, God, I'm going to be content where you have me, how much you've given me, the situation that I'm in. God, I trust you. And you see, when we do that, we begin to store up spiritual wealth. It goes on to say, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be Content. You see, the, the way to overcome greed in our life isn't to acquire more stuff, more money, more things, to have more security, to pass more things on. No. The way, to, the way to true godliness and to overcome greed is to acquire more God in our life. God, would you be number one? God, would you be everything that I need? God, would you be everything that I want? And as you do, would you change my world? Very practically, let's, 
Let's end with this. Like, what's one takeaway? So what does this mean for me? If we understand that greed is a bad thing, what's one thing, one thing that I can do to overcome this in my life? Well, I think really the antidote for greed isn't poverty, but I do think it's generosity. Would we learn that God has so richly blessed us that the overflow of the blessing that he gives to us would be that we would give to others, that we would bless others? And it doesn't have just to have to be financially. It's our time, our treasure, our talent. It's who we are. Would we then invest in relationships? Would we invest in people? Would we stand up for what's right in our communities? Would we stand up for what's right in the world? Would we give more financially? If God has blessed us, would we give more financially? And listen, only God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit can convict us, can convict you, can convict me. And maybe, maybe it's that you would say, God, what is it that I can do today in my life to put you number one and the overflow of that would be generosity. Listen to what Jesus said as he continues down through Luke. He says this, sell your possessions and give to those in need. How many of you come to passages like this in the Bible and squirm a little bit? <laughs> like, wait, what? Sell your possessions and give to those in need. What, what do you want me to do, God? <laughs> he says, when you do this, this will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You know what I think what he's saying? I think what he's saying is when we elevate money above God, we're spiritually dead. In fact, Shortly thereafter, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and mammon, which is money. And what he's saying very clearly right here is he's getting them the understanding that this is about being generous. If God, who feeds the, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field every single day, the Bible says, how much more does he care about us, his creation, his people, that he will, that he will feed us and take care of us and be with us in everything that we need. You know, I think it's important that we understand that it's not the heart of money. It's not the, the possessions that we own. Really, it's when we elevate those things or the pursuit of those things over God. And here's what I want us to know. When it comes to this world, the Bible says that everything in Psalm 24, everything is the Lord's. Everything in earth is the Lord God Almighty. And everything means our money, too. <laughs> everything that we have the food that we eat, the air that we breathe, the, the, the families that we have, the stuff that we own, the money that we have, it is all God's. We are just managers of those resources. The Bible says if we put the striving of that over resourcing or, or managing those resources for God, we've missed it. And we will always be left unsatisfied. Let's finish with this. Again, Paul talking to Timothy, giving him wisdom. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good words and generous to those in need, always being ready to share others. Notice what it doesn't say here. It doesn't say... Tell those who are rich to not be rich. It doesn't say, tell them that money is bad. It doesn't say any of those things. Instead, what it says is that those who are rich should give more. You know, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is expected. You'd, I mean, every single one of us has been given much. 
And so much is expected of us. So he's not saying riches are bad, money's bad, any of those things. What he's saying is would you turn the resources that I have given you, that I have blessed you with, and would you be generous? Because when you're generous, you put me above money. And I believe that's when God can truly, truly bless us. You know, I think God himself isn't exempt from this. You know, Jesus himself modeled and displayed this in every facet of his life. The one person who walked this earth, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the only one who deserves to be proud, who deserves to desire and to want more and to be greedy, the only person who desires or, or, or um, deserves all of those things is Jesus. But do you know what he did instead? He modeled generosity. The Bible says that he left heaven. He left heaven being worshipped by angels. And he came to this world and he lived a life that none of us could do. A sinless life. No greed, no pride, nothing in him. And he did that. Lived that life and he went to the cross. And so he took it a step further. He went to the cross and the Bible says that the, the sin and shame of the world was laid upon him. And God's wrath came upon Jesus And he died with our sin upon his shoulders. But here's the good news. He didn't stay dead because he was God. He rose to new life. And with that, he made a way so that we could inherit spiritual riches. One day, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we will be able to spend eternity. The inheritance of the righteousness of God comes through Jesus. Would you see today that you can receive that free gift? And would it change your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you lovingly care enough about us to address things in our life. God, I just pray that only you would do what you can do, and that's to convict our hearts. God, if there there are those of us in here who might nonchalantly be doing this in our life, would you tug at our heartstrings, teach us how to be more like you, more generous. God, for those that you've blessed, would you see that it's all yours? (laughs) And God, that they would, in, in return, they would give back to you. But God, most, most importantly, would you show our deep need for a relationship with you, a relationship that will change us for eternity. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.